folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar along with Sam Ekstrom and Will Raggett. All of us have a little bit of red in the face. Well, natural for Will as a redhead, but a little more because we were standing outside for several hours watching an OTA practice. Fellas, great to be out there watching some 11 on 11, some real looking football. We didn't get a whole lot of that in rookie camp. Guys, it felt great. You're talking about my face, though, specifically, because I can see all three of our faces, and I clearly am the one who did not wear sunscreen today. <laughs> yeah, I did not want to point that out completely, but I did put on uh, quite a bit. I slathered, and, I, and I'm sure that Will, as a redhead, you have it like on hand at all times with the sunscreen. Yeah, I kind of have to. I mean, it's like if I'm out there for like 45 minutes without it, I'm, I'm starting to get some red. So, But it was fun to be out there, and see the whole 85 guys or however many players were out there. And uh, it's not quite as exciting as training camp because they, they don't really get to do much physically, um, but a little, a little, a step up from rookie mini camp for sure. All right. I think the place we have to start because there's a lot to get to here actually. And uh, we heard from Clint Kubiak, Delvin cook, uh, Anthony Barr, which is worth discussing. So we'll get to all that, but on the field stuff, I think the most notable thing today is, Daniil Hunter not being there. That is by far number one. Sam, you and I talked about that quite a bit on the last episode. So let me just get Will's kind of takeaway on this. And Anthony Barr had sort of a cryptic comment a little bit of like, we support him and that kind of thing. So it's, uh, I know that Zimmer and Spielman have pretended this is not happening, but now this is happening with, uh, with Daniel Hunter, with him not being here for multiple days of OTAs. So how do you think, Will, that this ultimately ends up playing out with Hunter? It's a good question. I mean, I don't think we're at the point yet where it's like a all-caps situation. Uh, it's it's notable for sure that he's not there because he's kind of the only big-name player that isn't there for these voluntary workouts um i mean some guys have take a personal day off here and there and, and jeff gladney isn't there with his legal situation but daniel hunter not being there while the contract thing popped up back last october with the initial nfl network report um and then again 
in March, the athletic had something and it's just kind of been, it pops up and then we, we've stopped thinking about it for a while, but it's, it's a thing. It's a situation. I mean, he clearly wants to be paid like he should be based on his production in 2018 and 2019. He's like the 25th highest paid edge rusher or something when performing as a top five guy at his position. So it makes sense. But, but then again, it's such a fascinating discussion of the leverage because he's coming off of the, the, the next surgery and missing a whole year. And do the Vikings want to extend him without knowing for sure that he's going to be the same guy. So I, I don't know. We'll see if, if he's still not there at the mandatory mini camp in June, that's when, that's when it starts to become a real thing. And then any holdout into training camp um, becomes very notable because there's the fines that come with that based on the, the CBA. So I don't know how this is going to play out. I would still expect him to, to be back at some point uh, and to, get something worked out, whether that's an extension or whether he just kind of figures, okay, maybe I got to prove it for a year before I get that extension. But yeah, we'll see. It, it could be something that lasts a while longer. I, I think this is like step one of three or four different thresholds kind of during this process. Number one, you're not showing up to voluntary OTAs. Number two is the June 1st where the extra money kind of goes in the Vikings pocket. Maybe something can be negotiated uh, step three would be mandatory, you know, which takes it a little bit further. And then step four would be the start of training camp. So right now we've cleared step one of the alleged holdout. And I don't even know if it's a holdout yet. This is just sort of an intentional absence. Um, I don't think we're in holdout territory. I think we reach holdout territory after step three. If he misses mandatory mini camp, then holdout watch is officially on. Yeah, I agree, Sam, that right now they have plenty of time to get something figured out. And at this phase previously, Anthony Barr didn't come up with a contract extension. Ultimately, that one went all the way to the very end uh, with him nearly signing with the New York Jets, but ends up staying as a Viking. Delvin Cook, later than this, his agent was telling Adam Schefter, oh, we're not going to participate in Zoom calls or something. Uh, which was kind of the weirdest holdout that there's ever been. And even remember Kyle Rudolph in an OTA uh, press conference said a lot of teams would be interested in trading for me or something like that in classic Kyle Rudolph fashion. So we are not really down this road yet. It's just notable that, like you said, Sam, this is the first step toward, okay, like, it's little letters situation, then no mandatory camp is big letters situation. Then if it's training camp, then we need emojis to start like describing that this thing is really happening. But I think you make a good point, Will, with the June 1st thing. And then the, something else too came out today that the salary cap in the NFL is going to go way up next year by a lot. One of its biggest jumps that it's made in the last 10 years uh, that it's going to go up to, I think, 208 million from 182 right now. So there's almost no reason for this not to happen unless they just want to play hardball with Daniil Hunter. And let me just give you a, a statistic that I discovered poking around last night that over the next three years, Joey Bosa is going to make $77 million in cash and Daniil Hunter is going to make less than 40. So you've got to figure out a way to kind of close that gap. And, and I think that they can, Will. And that, that's where I'm still sitting right now is until we get to capital letters and emojis, I'm just going to say this is not a meaningful thing. And it's not like Daniil Hunter's really missing anything. He knows the defense. Yeah, no, he's not, he's not missing anything. It, if, 
I mean, he needs to eventually get some reps to kind of get back into the swing of things after missing a year. But yeah, if he doesn't report uh, for for any of OTAs, he's not going to miss anything. And, and I, I still do think that they will get something figured out. And like you said, they have the money to do it uh, if, if cap goes. I think that was the cap ceiling was $208 million. Uh, but regardless, it's going to make a big jump this year. It's going to make an even bigger jump probably next year with the TV deals and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see. I, I would just advise people not to panic right now because it's it's still May. It's still just OTAs. Uh, there's contract stuff here. There's just certain stuff that has to be worked out. But it, it it's not something to stress about yet. It's something to keep in, in the back of your mind as we go forward. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I said 182. Uh, 182 is the floor now, and the cap is 190, I think, right? So that's that's kind of where we're at or in that ballpark. So e- either way, though, it's going to take a big jump forward, and I think that that could make it even easier for the Vikings to rework this thing. Now, Sam, getting to on-the-field stuff, I know that you wanted to see Wyatt Davis and Christian Derrissaw on the field with the ones. But as you had predicted, we saw Rashad Hill and also Dakota Dozier. So say your piece and then will you react to it? Have my rant. Um, yeah, exactly. A, a change would have been refreshing. Like that. I expected this to be the case where the Vikings go with the veterans sort of for veterans sake, you know, as the, the number one guy. We saw this with Pat Elfline. He had to earn his way into the starting lineup. Brian O'Neill needed six games. Um, Ezra Cleveland might not have seen the field last year, if not for injury, because they had Dakota Dozier and even Avion Collins was above him on the depth chart in training camp. So, again, this isn't surprising. Maybe a tad more surprising at left tackle when you have a first-round pick in a guy. And, and my whole philosophy on this is, start getting everyone comfortable with each other because this is inevitable. Like the, the red carpet has been rolled out for Derisaw and Davis. You cut Riley reef. So you could draft Derisaw. You stood Pat in free agency. So you could draft Davis. Like they parted the red sea for these two prospects. So you may as well start expressing some faith in them. Let Garrett Bradbury get comfortable. Let Ezra Cleveland and Christian Derrissaw start working together. Let Davis learn from Brian O'Neill to his right and just stop the charade. Um, If you were holding the fort down with legitimate starters or, or legitimate starting caliber veterans, I would get it. But you're holding the fort down with Dakota Dozier, who had the sixth worst guard season in the last 15 years per pro football focus and Rashad Hill, who, when given a chance to, you know, sort of precede Brian O'Neill, was arguably a bottom five tackle in that sample size in the league. So I don't think you're you're holding the fort down with Joe Thomas here. Um, I, I I would just make the move now, kind of go out of character. It's not like you're you're if they if they started week one and struggled, so be it. They're still closer to maturing as players if they do that than if they're on the sideline working with the twos in practice. Yeah. And I, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's a little, a little ridiculous. I mean, I get it, but like you said, I mean, Dalvin cook said that OTAs are about getting that timing down and, and getting building chemistry and just little steps like that. Why not let those rookies start to take those progressions and, and start to learn what the offensive line I think is going to be like and what it, what it should be like. Um, 
it just seems like the Vikings overdo it a little bit with this. I don't know if this is a Mike Zimmer old school mentality earn your place thing, but like they didn't play the best rookie wide receiver we've ever seen until week three last year. Like if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will like, I think you just kind of, at some point you have to go with talent. I don't, I don't care if they're a rookie. I don't care where, where they, where they came from. Play your best guys. Don't play BC Johnson over Justin Jefferson for their first two weeks. Don't, don't even think about playing Dakota Dozier or maybe Rashad Hill, but, but Darisaw is a first round pick. Like, I, I think they I think they have to get him in there. I, I completely agree with that. It's it's a little weird. We'll see how long it takes for those guys to potentially work up into the first team. I'm much more comfortable with Rashad Hill, even though Dakota Dozier is the first round pick, than I am. Or, or, I'm sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip. We yeah, all wish right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Uh, even though Christian Darisaw is the first round pick, I'm more comfortable with Rashad Hill because I've seen him play well. And so if the, you know, I know that you're mentioning 2018. I think that even if you look at his body, it's changed the way he's played in relief duties in in recent years. Plus that situation was weird with um, wanting to be in the shotgun all the time with John D. Filippo. So that was a little bit messy. I think in this system that if they started Rashad Hill, it would be fine. And Rashad Hill sets a good baseline. Like if you can't beat Rashad Hill out, then it's not, then you're not ready, right? Like, so he can start for a little while. That's okay. And you should be forced to beat out Rashad Hill. Dozier is the one where I have the problem with because there's no way that Wyatt Davis can be worse because we're talking about the worst player in the NFL. So this is like, this is the problem. Even if it was Mason Cole, I'd feel better about it because I'd be like, I don't know. He played for another team and I guess he was still bad, but not as bad as Dakota Dozier. The Wyatt Davis one to me is, look, you drafted the guy to be your starter. Put him in and let him be your starter. I, I get wanting to try to earn it. But with Dozier, I think it's really about him specifically that even when they brought him back, we all went, what is your obsession with Dakota Dozier? That, I don't know. I mean, he seems like he's a fine rotational player. He's conscientious. He's conscientious, as Mike Zimmer said, but I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think I'm generally with you on this one, Sam. The only thing I would say is that this was the first week of OTAs. So it's not like a national emergency. If we get into training camp and Dakota Dozier is still starting, like when they put pads on, it might be an emergency. It, it, it honestly might, because there's just no way that Wyatt Davis could be worse. We're going to, we're going to tweet that. Dakota Dozier is with the ones in training camp and there's going to be fans showing up with pitchforks and tiki torches. And- <laughs> I, I've already got that on my Twitter mentions today, but I, yeah. like I, I, I look at the way this team handled the left guard spot last year and they didn't even give Ezra Cleveland a sniff. They didn't even let him in the door at the, and, and give him a seat at the table and say, Hey Ezra, like, I, I know you're, you're changing positions and you're a rookie and we didn't have the off season, but let's at least see if you can beat out Avion Collins and, and take a shot at, at Dakota Dozier here and just see if you can hang. They didn't even do that. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this caller, but I mean, the way they're handling Kellen Mond as well, that's kind of a, another example of, I mean, they are slow playing these rookies along here. Well, let's get, let's get into that then. Right. I am. I, cause I have, I do have an issue with not just playing Wyatt Davis there. Because, you know, Dakota's track record should say you're like in the XFL. But I have no problem whatsoever with Jake Browning 
being the number two quarterback at this moment and having to say like, look, you have a long way to go, Kellen Mond, before you learn this offense. Jake Browning knows the offense. You have to figure out which guys in your second team can play. So you can't really have a quarterback there sort of fumbling his way through it. You have to have someone operating these things to teach the younger players on the second team how it needs to be done, as he would know. Jake Browning was good last year, I think, in training camp. And another guy that sets a bar. He knows the offense. He's clearly not as talented as Mond. So if you can't get over that bar by the time we're into training camp, then we're going to go, oh, okay, you may have just drafted someone who's not all that good. Um, but if he clears that bar pretty quickly, then like, okay, this is your hurdle, and I'm fine with there being a hurdle. Do you agree with that, Will? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's interesting that they they are going really slow with Kellen Mond. Like we saw a, a period today where – they had Stanley and Browning and, and Cousins throw into the receivers running routes. And then Mond was overworking with the running backs, just doing the little uh, check downs and then getting them their their reps in. And yeah, I don't think that that should be news to anybody, really. I mean, he has a long way to go just learning the basics of playing in the NFL. And Jake Browning, people forget, he's been around for two years. I mean, he was at rookie minicamp, but he's, he's entering his third year now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that – dynamic plays out with those three backup quarterbacks uh fight you're fighting for that that backup job um but yeah the fact that there's a bar there for for Kellen Mond to get over I think is a good thing uh I, I wouldn't say Jake Browning is like on a Rashad Hill level in terms of talent at his position but Kellen Mond's got a long longer way to go than than Christian Derrissaw does so uh it makes sense to have guys there that you need to kind of incrementally judge the uh, the progress of your rookies against i'm just curious at what point does kellen mond like how high would he have had to be drafted to have a little higher status on this team like second round would he be able to get third team reps or i mean second team reps you know first round pick you know if he was trying to coexist with cousins would he get second team reps then like is it is it because they think browning and stanley are better at this point like i because if you did draft a first round pick um, and they were going to be your quarterback, like if it was Trevor Lawrence, w- would Jacksonville be giving their veteran backup the first reps right now? No. I mean, they'd be, be Trevor Lawrence, obviously. So, I mean, clearly rookie quarterbacks take first team reps all the time. or second team reps all the time. Um, it's not like he can't do it at this stage. I'm just surprised again, that they don't kind of let him into the mix and say, all right, like, uh, Kellen, you're going to get this set of second team reps. Nate, you get some. Jake, you get some. Because I also don't think Nate Stanley and Jake Browning have any league credibility to be like blocking his path. I, I, I just don't. I think you need to invest in your third round pick and trust that he can move along. Like sometimes people rise to expectations. And if you're expected to be like ready to be a backup this year, you should be given that responsibility, I think, pretty early on in the process. So we'll see what happens next week. Still, this is just day three of practice for the team, day one that we've gotten to see. But I, again, I'm going to push the Vikings on this one to like let these guys actually kind of pull their weight based on where they were picked. Kellen Mond was their, what, their, uh, was he their second overall draft pick this yep. year? Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury 
I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights. And every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Well, I would say, though, that um, even if he is the more talented and the higher drafted, if he isn't up to speed with what they want to do. We know this from the Sean Mannion and Kyle Sloter thing that um, Kyle Sloter couldn't get people lined up correctly. So they're like, we don't care if he's faster or has a stronger arm. Well, Mannion had a pretty strong arm, but we, we don't care if he's a better athlete or playmaker, if he can't even get the offense right. And from the reps that we have seen and the throws that we have seen from Kellen Mond, it hasn't looked very good. I'm not like judging Kellen Mond at this moment, but it's not like we walked out there and went, Oh my gosh, Dan Marino. Oh no, it's Kellen Mond. Like he just, I mean, his one rep that he got with the third team, he got sacked. We saw him running some basic like check downs to running backs that he threw in accurately. I don't know. I'm totally fine with a third round pick having to earn it from a UDFA who has been around for a couple of years. I agree that this isn't like Case Keenum or something that would have um, credibility. But, you know, I think that Browning is somebody that has performed pretty well Uh, especially in last year's camp to show that, Hey, you're at least going to have to beat him. And Jordan love didn't play over, uh, you know, Tim Boyle last year as the backup. So they're going to go with whichever guy is is better. Uh, Now on the defensive side, will we, we didn't see Jeff Gladney or cam Dantzler, which kind of throws everything like up in the air. And we saw a bunch of different people rotating in, in this practice. Uh, We don't know why cam Dantzler wasn't there. They don't have to tell us during OTAs like they do during the regular season. But I I think my takeaway a little bit was if one of those guys isn't there, if Gladney's suspended for the season or if Dantzler is hurt or something, they do have some backup in Mackenzie Alexander and Patrick Peterson, but it still doesn't look great. Like I still think they need somebody else. Real quick interruption. Cam Dantzler just tweeted ready to get back to work next week with my brothers. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. I didn't think it was anything serious. I think he, I think it was something to do with like his kid having a birthday or something. 
Well, was happy just, birthday so, to Cam like Antwerp. His son's second birthday I saw his on Instagram or something. Skinny but, little child, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they need to continue looking at that cornerback position and ways to add depth that isn't just like Perry Nickerson. Like That's why the, the report that they offered Bashad Breland uh, was encouraging to me because I think if you can get a guy of that caliber to come in and be that number four guy or even to push uh, a Mackenzie Alexander or one of the outside guys for a starting job, I just think we saw last year how ugly it can get when when corners have to miss time and, and you end up with playing – like street free agents and just it's just such a difficult position to play in the NFL especially the modern game like you're going to get picked on if you if other teams know that you aren't ready so yeah I mean they had Chris Boyd in, working in there with the first team who just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence and I, Harrison Hand I think has a little bit of upside we saw him get an interception today but um, yeah I, I think that's a position where with Gladney situation with I don't know. Dantzler, just based on his frame, I think there's always going to be a little bit of concern about injury there. Uh, I think if they can add another body there, um, that could be that could be really good for for the depth going forward. If I'm if I'm reading, you know, pretty far into this, seeing Chris Boyd with the ones on the outside and seven on sevens, um, that tells me that they definitely don't see McKenzie as an outside option. Um, because, you know, they had the option to put anybody there opposite Patrick Peterson, and they put Boyd, um, and then they had McKenzie in the slot after that. So um, I, I think the team wants Boyd in hand to take a step. Like, it seems like they're kind of operating sort, sort of under the premise that, all right, you know, we're going to trade Hughes because we have faith that, like, these guys are going to get better, and maybe they are pursuing someone else as well, Will, like you mentioned. Um even if the Bashad Breland thing doesn't work out, because it seems like Breland wants to be paid a little more, a lot of guys that are available for a million or $2 million out there. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them add one more body, but that still doesn't mean they don't expect Boyd and hand to, <clears throat> to take a step last year. I counted the Vikings played 10 cornerbacks last year, like some amount of snaps. They need more than like four. Um, and they're probably going to need to use Boyd and or hand at some point. And uh, Hand had a really impressive play today, a diving, probably interception. I don't think it touched the ground. Maybe it did, but it was an impressive play nonetheless. That That's going to be an important second-year guy because a fifth-round pick, you know, that can go either way. You get fifth-round busts a lot, but fifth round is kind of on that, that borderline where you might still be able to expect them to have a, a, a nice little trajectory. So I think that's someone to watch this year. Yeah, and he, when he got in there, I mean, he played like – 100 snaps or something last year but mm-hmm. he he played against like Julio Jones a little in the Falcons game. He looked like he knew what he was doing and could could hold his own at that level. And, and to your point about them playing a ton of cornerback, I remember looking at the um like the injury reports last year. They they didn't play the same trio of cornerbacks in back-to-back weeks until like the middle of the season. Like they had yeah. a different trio for at least the first like 6 or 7 weeks, which was just absurd. Yeah, and uh, it, I'm so happy to not watch Chris Jones play football again this year. Uh, so you don't want to get down that path, and that's a great reason to get someone who has played before and who has proven that they could be in the NFL. Breland, I thought, would have been a good idea. It looks like that ship has kind of sailed based on him tweeting that he's looking for a real offer or something like that. So uh, I want to um, ask you guys what you think about Anthony Barr 
returning and, and some of his comments today, because it sounds to me, and I don't know why this is, but I respect it as a lover of Minnesota um, and, uh, and not being anywhere near from here, just like Anthony Barr, opposite coast, but I enjoy Minnesota and don't want to leave either. But it's always interesting to me that Anthony Barr turned down an offer from the Jets to come here. And then this year, the way he made it sound as if he could have said, okay, cut me. That's the way that it sounded. And he said, I wanted to stay here. I didn't want to go out on a sour note. Why, why do you guys think this is maybe Sam, you start with this one and will you react, but like, why, why is it? Do you think that Anthony Barr has this like want to succeed with the Minnesota Vikings? And again, I respect it and I appreciate it. I just feel like it's really unique compared to how most things operate where it's like, what do I care? Different laundry. Give me the best contract or, or was this the best contract situation? And so it's, he's sort of spinning it the right way. Yeah, that's a good question. I think to your last point, he probably was going to make more money here than, than elsewhere in a depressed market, or at least he may not have wanted to take that risk. You, you, you also raise a good point in that it is uncommon to have that high of a loyalty level because first round picks constantly sort of, you know, get embraced by um, this new place and you you assume as a fan that they're going to be there forever and then the first free agency comes around and they're gone. And it turns out there maybe wasn't quite the loyalty that you perceived there to be. But with Barr, it seems real. So I, I guess a couple factors might enhance it here for him. Number one, he's always had the same head coach. You know, there, there's every bit of continuity here to help him. And Mike Zimmer has an attachment to Barr as well. So there's mutual loyalty, I think. And Barr has been here since the beginning. Like he saw the foundation get laid and he, you know, clearly wants to see kind of everything come to fruition with this regime. Uh, number two, he gets to play with Kendricks. I mean, that that's pretty cool, right? You get to hang out with your college buddy and play at the same position and play next to each other. That's probably a pretty significant draw as well. And I think those are two factors that are unique to Bard's situation here in Minnesota. So, you know, a lot of guys don't go that path. Barr, I think, kind of sees how good he has it here. Like he's, instead of chasing immediate dollars, he might think that his earning potential is better in Minnesota, where he is valued so much and has sort of a unique situation with Kendricks that also probably like brings the best out of him. That That's kind of the way I see it. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 877-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Yeah. Not only Kendrick's, but I mean, you brought up the continuity. I mean, the Harrison Smith's been around since he was here and 
Daniil Hunter has been here for a long time and other guys like that. And I think just it's kind of a, a unique situation that the Vikings have had where they've been really good on the defensive side of the ball for a long time prior to last year, obviously. But they've kind of had that that same core and parts of it have shifted. But Barr, Kendrick, Smith, Hunter, they're, they're all still around. They're all still still part of this defensive core. And I think he there's part of him that probably wants to just see it through and get back to that that level that they played at in, in 2017, even 2019, uh, and all, all of those seasons. So, yeah, it was interesting to hear him say that he didn't want the last memory he had uh, in a Minnesota Vikings uniform to be tearing his pack last week, too, against the Colts and then missing the season, having to watch as, uh, like, Blake Lynch and Hardy Nickerson played linebacker against the Saints and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, and, and he – with, with his relationship with Mike Zimmer and how Zimmer can use him in, in different ways as a chess piece and with the way he plays off of Kendricks, uh, he probably thinks that if he can come back out here and, and look like the old Anthony Barr, then he's going to be able to parlay that into some team next year saying, okay, we can, we can use that guy as a foundational piece on our defense. Right. I, th- I think it's probably like 60-40 or 50-50 to he didn't, want to go out like that and he has been here and he's comfortable here and and is very close with Kendricks and Smith but there's also how much money was he really going to make coming off an injury versus if he has a pro bowl season how much money could he potentially make as a free agent so it kind of worked out for everybody even if it's a short-term pay cut it could end up being you know kind of longer term but sometimes these things get a little ugly with the money situations and you end up with someone like Riley reef saying, no, I'm good guys. I'll just, I'll actually go take less money to not be near you because you sort of screwed me over last year. Uh, Last question for you guys. So will you tweeted out an interview with Rick Spielman where he said on the rich Eisen show that Kirk cousins will be our quarterback for the next two years of which always pops into my head. Josh Rosen is our quarterback. Uh, But what, what do we, what would you put percentage chance Kirk cousins plays the full next two seasons of national football league football for the Minnesota Vikings? Give me, give me percentage chance that he starts 34 more regular season games or more for the Vikings. Well, I'll start by saying it, it'll be interesting to see how this Rick Spielman quote ages. Cause he, I, the part that stood out to me is he said for sure. He said, Kirk Cousins, I know for sure, will be our quarterback the next two years. And as soon as you say something as definitive as that in a league where so many things can change and such, so many things are unpredictable even just a year ahead of time, that stood out to me like, I wonder if we're going to look back at that sometime in 2022, whether this time next year or sometime during the 2022 season, and think about that quote and be like, hmm, I don't, I don't know. Like the way we look at the – him saying, I, I have no intent on trading Stefan Diggs or whatever about you said about Percy Harvin back in the day and things like that. But as for percentages, I think it's probably a 75% chance. That might be low. A, a 80% chance, I think, that Kirk Cousins plays the next two seasons as a starting quarterback with no drama or, or issues or whatever. But it, it, within that 20% is the chance that he doesn't have a great year this year and then maybe Mond impresses and maybe, maybe they get him in there next year and they trade cousins or, or something along those lines, or they draft a quarterback next year if they stink. So even 80 might be low, but I'm, I'll go with that right now. 
it's going to be interesting to see if this team has the tolerance for a lame duck quarterback, because with the cap going up 10%, like we talked about, it's becoming more and more possible that they can just pay the 45 next year and be done with it. So will they have the tolerance for that type of season, which can be a distraction. Like you don't like having a lame duck coach when your coach is in the last year of his deal. And I think the same would apply to a quarterback, especially when you have a, fairly high draft pick sort of nipping at his heels. Um, So if they reach that point, you know, before 2022, will they just embrace it going to 2022 with the the big salary expiring contract? Will they feel the need to get rid of him before then to avoid the distraction or offer the extension sort of three doors to go down and door two, which is Stan Pat might actually be a pretty uncomfortable option. If, you know, you you haven't committed further to him and you know it's his final year in Minnesota, barring like a Super Bowl. Um, that's the path that I think raises probably the potential for drama. I'm going to go 50-50. Did you give a percentage, Sam? No. Okay, then give a percentage. What do you think? 58%. I knew you were going to do that. Uh, I'll go. Okay. So I, I say we're uh, a little farther away here than you will. Cause I think it's 50 50, but I don't know if Kellen Mond has anything to do with this or not. I just felt like the draft pick of Kellen Mond was so far diverting from how they've handled the backup quarterback situation that it waved a flag of like, we're going to think about the future here, but we're not totally ready to go all in on trading everything for Justin Fields or drafting Mac Jones, but we're at least thinking about this. And I do think if they were to go eight and nine or something like that, that they're looking for another option that they would trade him away, that they would draft someone else. The one thing that I think they'll have to consider is Justin Jefferson is going to make other people good at football. I mean, if you, if you put in another quarterback who you think is sort of close to Kirk, but is way cheaper, Justin Jefferson is going to make that person good. And so is probably Delvin cook, probably Adam Thielen at that point. And this offensive line is being built up. So they're going to have to consider that. And and I think there's a good chance if they don't go better than 10 and seven, better than a single playoff win that they say, all right, what, what team wants to trade for Kirk cousins? Let's figure this out. Um, So, but you know, if he plays well, if they go 11 and six, if they go 12 and five and they win a couple of playoff games, then I think you stay, but it really, I, I think there's a certain bar for the whole team that if it doesn't get reached, that they'll do the Matt Stafford thing and just say, okay, well, we've given this long enough and it hasn't worked. Well, that, that's why this is such a, a pivotal year for Cousins because I feel like in, in each of the three years he's been here, you can kind of make some excuse. In 2018, oh, they didn't have the right offensive system for his abilities with with John Filippo, And then in 2019, the offensive line was bad. And then last year, the defense was terrible. Like, I don't know if there's going to be an excuse this year. So – you need to see from him that, A, he can get you to the playoffs for the second time in four years and maybe uh, win a game or two. But you just need to see like a lot more uh, consistency than, than what he's brought uh, the past few years and, and just not having those stretches of a game or two games or three games where he just looks like a replacement-level quarterback and is making all these, these boneheaded decisions. So, yeah, I, it'll we'll, it'll be interesting to reevaluate next year what we think the chances are of, of Cousins being around 
in 2022. The, the big thing is I don't know who's going to trade for him uh, if he's coming off of a disappointing year with a 35 million guaranteed base salary for 2022. Like, would the Vikings have to attach a high pick to that? Like, it's the NBA or something. So I don't, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, Kellen Mond may or may not factor into the plans in 2022. They might go look at a different option. But if, if Cousins doesn't play well this year, with with the offensive line being improved, with the defense being loaded, with the weapons that he has, then I think you just gotta you gotta figure out another option. I think that with a quarterback, if someone will trade for Carson Wentz, who played about his war and, and Sam Darnold, like these guys have yeah. less of a track record. Um, Wentz has one good year. Darnold has no good years. And people were giving away draft capital for them uh, that somebody would with Kirk. And think about this. Kirk was not great in 2017. The Vikings gave him the biggest contract ever. So that's that's quarterback. That's football for you. So um, I I guess we'll see. We'll see. And it will entirely depend on that bar and whether they reach it or not. Uh, Will Raggetts, this has been very fun to have you on. Um, glad that we could do it. And Sam, sunscreen, man. What are you, rookie? I'll wear sunscreen next time. <laughs> Will, please wear another sweater. Okay. Well, we'll see what the weather is. It was a little windy today. But... It was sneaky. It was like 57. I don't need sunscreen when it's 57. Turns out you do. Oh, I've made that mistake Thank before. Me, the, the, yep. the temperature does not really matter. Well, it does a little bit. I don't. I don't really wear it in the winter, but you know, it, if the sun's out, it can get you, even if it's in in the fifties, sixties. Mm-hmm. And as far as the sweater goes, it's a fine choice for the wind. Like it was a good choice. You got to stay warm. Some of our uh, colleagues were out there in shorts and and regular t-shirts, as if it was training camp, as if it was going to be like ninety four degrees. So I, I respect that. Uh, it was only about you know, sort of like what it gives off. It gives off yeah, like a lawn, a, a lawn mowing type of vibe is kind of what you were giving off. So that's all I'm yeah, saying. I, I will, I will step up my, my drip. For, uh, next, <laughs> you next you and the pioneer press beat writer, Chris Thomas, and need to wear matching Northwestern sweaters. Yes, we do. I need like a 1964 Outback Bowl <laughs> sweatshirt. I'm just going to leave that there and end the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Will. <laughs>